Well, it's good to be together again. Amen. <laughs> we are discussing today characteristics of the church and how we are covenantal, and uh, it is uh, as a blessing to have our brother Dudley Reese, our special guest. I know you've been waiting with uh, bated breath to hear who is coming. I think I gave it away a couple episodes ago, but uh, nonetheless, he's here with us. Uh, brother, it's glad to have you uh, join you. us and, and uh, discuss. Um, how we are covenantal as a as a people uh, of the Lord, and so um, I, I was thinking today. I think I mentioned it to you in the hall. Um, it is fitting that you replace Pastor Tony, who's on vacation, um, because you you fit the requirements of being short <laughs> as well. And this is the short staff podcast, so yes, all those who do come on uh, must be under five ten. Yeah, under five ten is I the best. Definitely meet that. Record. Anything wow. over that, and we'll you know we're liable to get a complex or something and be discouraged. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> just joking. But um, Dudley, you 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 and your family members here at Broadway, right. and um, and I know you uh, uh, God has a calling on your life. Uh, good clear teacher you've taught Sunday school here at Broadway many times and is teacher in the shepherd's class and uh, just give us a little information uh, about yourself tell us about yourself family a little background sure um, well I was raised in a Christian home my dad was a minister you've met my dad before he's a pistol he is a pistol <laughs> that's for sure and uh, a godly man my mother is a pastor's daughter mm -hmm. my mother was raised a Waldensian in uh, Italy, and the Waldensians are the oldest Protestant church in the world. And so I was blessed to have two godly parents, and uh, they understood, though, that uh, our bloodlines aren't what make us uh, believers. It's, the key is the blood of Jesus, not, the, not our natural bloodlines. And, uh, and they were very attuned to that, and they uh, set forth the gospel in our home. And I praise the Lord. I received the Lord at an early age. And... Um, it, that was a, certainly a blessing, and my parents were very uh, good in the sense that uh, they saw the things of God as not something that you wait for. Mm. I think too many Christian homes, they get the idea, well, when he becomes a teenager, then this will be something that will be of interest to him. Or maybe when you become an adult, then you'll be old enough to understand these things. But Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me, and mm -hmm. I think my parents understood that, and as they... Uh, grew in their faith, mm. uh, they wanted uh, me and my sisters to grow in our faith with them. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't something that, oh, well, you know, we'll explain this to you 10 years from now or 15 years from now. They wanted us to understand it then. Mm -hmm. right. And so that was a great environment to grow up in. And I really covet that for my children as well, that I would see them as their father, but also see them as a potential brother or sister in Christ. Fortunately, right. they all have made professions, but you want to be walking with them as partners in the gospel, and that was a, a real blessing for me growing up. Um, and so from that uh, standpoint, we continued, and then uh, long story, but eventually I ended up in uh, Philadelphia, and mm. that's where I met my wife, Julie. Mm. She's from Lancaster County, Amish country, yeah. and she was raised in the Anabaptist tradition there, Brethren in Christ, mm. and uh, so we... Uh, we had some interesting, uh, our dating life consisted of going to uh, reform conferences, uh, the Ligonier Conference in Western PA, if you maybe have heard of that before. Yep. It was a great conference, and she had an aunt that lived there, and we'd go and we'd stay with her aunt, and then we'd drive over the mountain to the conference, and it was just uh, just tremendous. Yeah. Uh, and then the Lord had blessed us over the years with six kids, and mm. uh, in Philadelphia, I was part of a church, uh, Crossroads Community Church, Presbyterian Church in America. It's a great church, tremendous uh, minister there and a good group of brothers that were uh, leading the work there, very uh, much committed to the uh, sharing of the gospel. Mm. Uh, it's an area filled with immigrants, and we would do door-to-door um, -door, uh, sharing of the gospel and also sharing in the streets. You know, you'd mm. be walking up to a, a guy with a headdress on, a Muslim guy, and he's happy to talk to you because mm -hmm. you're the first American that's really ready to come and just uh, talk with Engage him. You're not, with you're him, not yeah. afraid of him. You're not trying to kick him out of the country. Right. You're ready to come and just <laughs> share with him. Mm -hmm. And so they were yeah. open to talking. It's interesting, immigrants in particular are more open to discussing uh, their faith than the, mm -hmm. uh, the native-born American. Yeah. So you know, on a given night, we might talk with a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim, 
uh, and be able to share the gospel with them. And it was a great place to have my kids to see that, you know, that a lot of people need to hear the gospel. Right. And, uh, and then we came here and we were looking for a church that was solid in the preaching and mm. committed to, uh, you know, the truth of the gospel, but also eager to share the gospel, mm. not just uh, content to uh, sit on right. our laurels, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So we found Broadway, found you brothers, and it's mm. been a blessing ever since. We can't mm. tell you how happy we are to be here. And it's great. We've been blessed by uh, you and your family, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, definitely can attest that you married up. Uh, I did. I, so. can, I can agree with you on that a, a thousand She's times. She's a great lady. If you don't believe me, ask my parents. I'm joking, sort of, and not. But uh, yeah, she's a good woman. You got great kids. Uh, so some that are already graduated and in college, right? That's right. And um, and yourself, uh, you know, you're in you're in Tennessee Vol country here, and you're a graduate of the University of uh, Alabama. So uh, I consider myself a missionary of sorts. There you go. You're trying to bring the. Uh, uh, more excellent way, no, more <laughs> Tennessee excellent. brethren. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, Tennessee's fallen on hard times in certain athletic events. Uh, so that's that's for sure. But it is a, it is a joy to have you, and uh, look forward just to our discussion. And really appreciate you joining us, and um, and willing to engage in this time together. I know um, we've been time. blessed. We've been blessed by your teaching uh, in Sunday school. Our one bodies. You taught several mm-hmm. times and uh, encouraged uh, the body here greatly. And so. Uh, as we talk about the church being covenantal today, I have a, just a, a summary uh, from a guy named Jason DeRucci. He's a research professor oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, of Old Testament and biblical theology, at, and now he's serving at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was um, at Bethlehem uh, uh, Seminary for a while um, in Bethlehem Baptist Church as well as an elder there, but he says this. He says, The Bible describes how God reigns, saves, and satisfies through covenant for his glory in Christ. The Old Testament provides foundation for this kingdom message, and the New Testament details the fulfillment. Jesus' Bible was the Old Testament, which highlights through narrative uh, and commentary how the Mosaic Old Covenant was established in the law, enforced in the prophets, and enjoyed in the writings. And so what we're going to discuss today is just how we now as, as New Covenant believers uh, have covenanted together. And so I just want to first just walk through, uh, one, what a covenant is. I'll define that for us. And then look at the covenants in the Old Testament, give a brief uh, description of them, where they're, where they're found uh, mm-hmm. in the scriptures, and, um, and understand how that then relates to us now in the New Covenant. And I know we've talked some, and... I love Old Testament biblical theology. I, I'm, I'm not as, as grounded in it as I should be. I'm still studying and still having my mind blown by yeah. uh, so many different things. Uh, we are, we are um, I think, as a, as a people who come out of a Greco-Roman culture and, and influence on us, we don't think like Hebrews. And so when we read the Old Testament, we struggle many times to understand what they're saying. But... Uh, to give a, a, I think a, a simple definition of a covenant, it's a relationship between parties characterized by faithfulness and loyalty and love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God explains and declares who He is in mm-hmm. Exodus 34, that He's a God of, of steadfast love and faithfulness, right? yeah. uh, full of grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And so He um, He calls a people into covenant with Himself, and so. Uh, Pastor TJ, won't you take us through mm-hmm. the first couple yeah. covenants with? Uh, I, I like that definition scripture. because I've heard a lot of definitions that are way too restrictive. They try to add more to that, mm-hmm. um, and when you do, though, you, you tend to uh, <coughs> leave, leave some of the covenants on the on the sidelines. But I do like that, and I, I like that understanding of a covenant as establishing a relationship. It's mm-hmm. how God enters into a relationship. The relationship would be impossible apart from the covenant. And the first one is God's covenant with mankind through Adam as the representative of all humanity in the Garden of Eden. Now, the word covenant in Hebrews, berit, it does not appear until uh, the Noahic covenant, until Noah. But in Genesis chapter 6, whenever God says, I'm making my covenant with you, I'm establishing my covenant with you, um, the, the phrase is Hakim Barit. Now, that phrase only 
whenever it's used, it's only used with this meaning in the Old, in the Old Testament. It's to reaffirm an already existing covenant. Reestablish. It's, it's not a covenant that has gone by the wayside or that needs to be renewed. It was never a covenant that was broken. It's just reaffirming an existing covenant with someone else. And where else would it be uh, an existing covenant than uh, with Adam? If we, uh, my apologies there, that is definitely a telemarketer we calling talked, me. We talked, we talked about, about putting my phone on, uh, well, we talked about your phone. I didn't even uh, consider yeah. putting my phone on vibrate. See, apologize. you are the guilty party. I'm the guilty party, yeah. Um, and so uh, the, uh, the covenant that God reaffirms with Noah um, he, he says he's, a, he's making a covenant with him that's already been in existence, and that's uh, from uh, the time with Adam. And so just a, a brief uh, overview of that covenant. God uh, gives to Adam stipulations hmm. um, that he is to keep and protect the garden um, and expand the borders uh-huh. of the garden, uh, that he is to obey the word of the Lord specifically by not eating of the tree of the knowledge and good of good and evil, and so he's got some stipulations which help to that gives the terms of the covenant, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam is a uh, he is a, a son of God in a in a sense in that he is uh, in that covenantal relationship that we as brothers in Christ can appreciate uh, that we are sons of God, we're children of God mm. in, new, in a higher covenant sense, new covenant. And so he is uh, God's covenant child. And if he is faithful, the things that are happening in the garden will continue. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if he breaks those stipulations, um, if he takes of the, the fruit, if he doesn't protect the garden... Um, drive evil out. Those those words keep and protect. They're found in the priesthood throughout the uh, the, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to keep evil out. But he failed to do that. If he doesn't uh, carry out the stipulations, then uh, there will be covenant curses, which ultimately fall upon him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, God laid out um, at the beginning. You will die, die. In Hebrew, it says mm-hmm. die, die, mm-hmm. which in, uh, in the English Bibles would translate to surely die or mm-hmm. truly die. But it is you will die, die. And that's that, really dead. That's really dead, man. It's <laughs> yeah. in, well, I, mean, I think it reflects the fact that Adam immediately <clears throat> spiritually dies that's right. when he sins. And then in Genesis 5, whenever it, it goes through his lineage, this is how he, this Genesis 5, the first genealogy, shows how he is represented representative of all humanity. So the covenant God makes with Adam is with all humanity because the curse falls on all humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, after each individual, uh, Adam begot so-and-so and he died and he begot so-and-so and he died at yeah. the very end. And he died and he died and he died to show, yes, the curse has fallen upon humanity. Spiritually and Spiritually physically. and physically. Right. Now, God gives a promised restoration. Um, Fast forward a little bit um, with Noah. Uh, God looks and he sees that mankind is corrupt. Uh, His spirit will not abide with mankind. Um, And so he removes his spirit and that judgment is coming upon mankind. Mm -hmm. Yet he looks to Noah and he sees that Noah is a righteous person. Noah is now assuming a new Adam type. He is now the new representative of mankind because everyone else but Noah and his family will will die off. Mm-hmm. And so now he's a new head of man mankind. And so God says, I'm reaffirming my creation covenant with you. Second uh, Peter, Peter tells us what happened with the flood was decreation, the passing away of the old heavens and the earth. And then whenever the, the flood subsides, uh, the ark falls in the same region that Eden was, um, Eden was a temple. I'm not going to get into that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of temple themes with the ark and surrounding um, the region that uh, the ark fell in. Noah plants a vineyard. Uh, Noah's fall is just like Adam's fall, right? He, uh, he sins in a garden. Uh, he takes of the fruit of the vine like Adam took of the fruit of the tree. 
Um, he is um, shamefully. He does everything right, right? I no, mean, he doesn't. Perp- no. <laughs> he's, he's shamefully naked. His nakedness mm. is covered. The curse falls upon mm. his children. I mean, he is clearly a new Adam figure to right. show that just as Adam fell, another yeah. would do so likewise. Right. This, is a, this is going to be a problem with all humanity. And so there's a creation covenant made with uh, mankind in Adam and in Noah. And this uh, Noahic covenant has a sign associated with it uh, because God promises not to destroy uh, the earth mm. again by floodwaters. And the rainbow is a sign of that covenant. Mm. And so there is a reaffirming of the creation covenant. The same charge is given to Noah to um, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, right, as an image bearer, to subdue it, right, to be a king and a priest. And here's the sign of your covenant. Mm. Um, and it, a beautiful sign. It's that. beautiful, man. And I hate how it's, uh, it's been it has hijacked. been it's given a different meaning. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's well, an affront yeah, to it, God. It, it really can't is. be hijacked, but it has been used for different purposes. But it is... Remember the first time learning um, that God has put His bow in the clouds, and, and now it's pointed towards Himself, and not wiping out people. It's again. it's because His wrath is coming against He himself. He's holding Himself accountable right. to this covenant. That's exactly right. Um, and uh, and we've right. we've mentioned this briefly in previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. So the, that's the creation covenant mm-hmm. um, with Adam and Noah, and now. You, you get into a corrupt mankind rebelling against God. Instead of making his name great, they want to make their name great. They, yeah. they, yeah. they go to Babel. They, they build a tower in rebellion against the, the creation mandate to subdue the earth and fill it with image bearers. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make their own name great. And so God confuses their language, spreads them apart, and he approaches a man out of all the nations throughout the earth now. Mm-hmm. He approaches a man, Brother Dudley, and he says, I'm going to make your name great. That's right. Yeah, take over with Abraham. Well, it's beautiful, the, the whole story of Abraham. You know, you see that in these covenant relationships, God is the initiator. Mm. Abraham doesn't initiate this. And it's interesting, I was looking at this the other night. Uh, it appears that Noah and all of his descendants were probably still alive mm. when uh, Abraham was born. Mm-hmm. And so Abraham, then Abram, not Abraham, he had access to these men, or at least knowledge of them. It wasn't right. that it had, there had been thousands and thousands of years. There had been hundreds of years mm-hmm. since the flood. But uh, God initiates this relationship with Abram. And it's interesting because in the past we were seeing sort of conditions being placed, if this, then this, if mm-hmm. this, then this. And here, there's not really that if-then dichotomy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a kind of a condition. God says, go, and we see that Abram believes God, and he does go Mm -hmm. to a place that I'm going to show you. It's reckoned Uh, to him. It's reckoned to him for righteousness. But God is basically giving a series of affirmative statements to Abram, Mm -hmm. saying, I will Mm-hmm. Make of you a great nation. Mm-hmm. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse right. you. I will uh, make you a, a blessing to to all the earth, and you will have a you know all of these descendants for many many generations. Mm-hmm. And so we see God basically giving a series of promises to Abram in Genesis chapter twelve, and this is like giving you the let's say the outline or the format of his covenant relationship with Abram, but it's not called a covenant at this point. Mm -hmm. We don't see the word covenant used until we get to chapter 15. Mm -hmm. And then we get over to chapter 15 and God Mm -hmm. appears to Abram. This is another beautiful thing. We see the relationship that God has initiated with Abram. And Abram at this point has such uh, confidence in his relationship with God that he begins to question him about the promise that he made. He Mm -hmm. said, well, hey, wait a minute. How's this going to happen? Yeah, how's this going to happen? I don't have an heir. How am I going to have these descendants and these heirs? And the only guy I've got is this servant in my household, this Eleazar. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, know, where's the goods in this sense? You know, Mm -hmm. but God, uh, in such a beautiful way, says, uh, look outside. Can go up and count the stars. And so God just reaffirms himself. Mm. You know, God is not uh, right. uh, lacking confidence in himself. Mm-hmm. Let's put it this way. God, mm-hmm. God knows what he's going to do. That's right. And Abram just needs to sort of be reaffirmed in that. And, um, but then, God, then Abram even says, well, you know, how shall I know? I need a sign. You know, what's what's going to, how will I know this? Again, Abram is persistent. 
And it's interesting to see that he has that kind of confidence in his relationship with God. Uh, and then God tells him to cut all of these animals in two. And this is a, an ancient uh, ceremony where they would uh, cut an animal in half and then they would uh, lean them up against one another, sort of in a kind of upside-down V, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, the two parties would pass underneath these animals, these formerly living animals. So there's the carcasses there and the mm -hmm. blood is dripping mm -hmm. down. And uh, that's called cutting the covenant, in a mm -hmm. sense, uh, reminding the parties to the covenant that, hey, this is uh, a till death do we part kind of relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that this is what should happen to me should I not keep my mm -hmm. part of the covenant. Uh, and what's interesting, though, in this whole thing is that the covenant is cut and it should be that both parties would pass underneath these animals. But God and Abraham. God and Abraham both, because they are the two parties to this covenant. Mm -hmm. But Abraham's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so as Abraham falls into a deep sleep, and then God, these two symbols of God, this burning pot and this torch, mm -hmm. they pass between the animals. So God is basically cutting this covenant with himself. Mm -hmm. You know, that for sure this is a covenant that's going to be upheld because mm -hmm. of the, the other guy who is the weak link in the matter, he's asleep. Mm -hmm. And God <laughs> is cutting... Hard to do much it's hard, Exactly. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so beautiful, though, yeah. to see that this is a, a covenant that God is making and it will take mm -hmm. place. Yes. There's no doubt about it. And, and God uh, is swearing by himself. Uh, and that's as, uh, as sure as of a, of a uh, confidence builder as we can have. That's right. right. And, uh, and then later God adds the sign to this covenant in mm -hmm. uh, Genesis chapter 17. Uh, and he comes and again, reiterates the promise. And uh, it says, this is going to be the sign. There's really no conditions in this covenant other than that, that mm -hmm. you, right. you bear this sign of uh, circumcision, which is a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm setting myself and my household apart mm -hmm. to right. the service of God. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something we should all be doing, actually, yeah. in our hearts. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's the, the sign there. But then we build on that covenant mm -hmm. as we uh, come to the time of Moses. Yes. Now, when... Uh, Abram was there and talking with God. God has already told him that, hey, your descendants are going to go into Egypt. Mm -hmm. They're going to be there for hundreds of years, but yeah. I'm going to bring them out. So this is mm -hmm. already part of God's promise yep. to, uh, to Abraham. Right. Uh, so they go into Egypt, and we know the story. that uh, There's this child of another child of promise, mm -hmm. the promising child, beautiful mm -hmm. child, Moses, who's born. And Moses is uh, an exile from Egypt, and he's there. Uh, tending his father-in-law's sheep, and he sees a burning bush, and he goes up and says, let me see what's going on here. And there God reveals himself to Moses, gives him his charge, and says, I'm going to raise you up to be the deliverer of my people. I've heard their cry. Hmm. And uh, Moses, we know the story so well, he asked God, well, who shall I say? What shall I say your name is? And God says, well, tell them that I am. I am that I am mm. uh, has sent you. And so God reveals another aspect of himself to right. Moses. But really this Mosaic covenant is, a, is sort of a continuation of yes. the Abrahamic covenant because we see that in Exodus chapter 4. Mm. I mean, sorry, Exodus chapter 6 mm. where uh, God right. says or to Abram that, that I have made, or to Moses, I have made my covenant with, these, with my people, mm -hmm. and that I've heard their cry, and I'm remembering my covenant. With so this Egypt. deliverance from Egypt is not necessarily a new right. thing. It's God remembering his covenant to Abram. Mm -hmm. Which and was unconditional. It, and it was an unconditional covenant. Will, and, and, that's, and that's critical that we, we see that and understand that, because mm -hmm. now with the advent of the Mosaic Covenant, we're going to mm -hmm. see a bunch of conditions uh, mm -hmm. coming into play here, mm -hmm. right. but we need to note all along that this thing is rooted in the Abrahamic yes. Covenant. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Yes. And uh, the Mosaic Covenant, of course, we're familiar with that too, that, that they go to Mount Sinai, mm -hmm. uh, and then a, uh, Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and a host of other uh, statutes and uh, commands for them to follow. And then there's a series of uh, 
scriptures which we can read throughout, particularly in Deuteronomy, True. where it's a bunch of if then. If yeah. you do this, then you'll have these blessings. Yeah. If you do this, or if you fail to do and, this, then they're going to be yeah, these curses. What is, what is God teaching fallen man? Uh, that was one thing I was thinking of as you look through the covenants. He's, he's teaching, especially in the Mosaic Covenant, that you cannot be perfect. This is right. what it's mm-hmm. like to be in relationship with yeah. me as the creator. And it demands perfection because right. God is perfect. Right. God is holy. God is separate. And, and pieces of the gospel are getting revealed with right. each established progressively covenant. Covenant. Progressively exactly. getting revealed. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's so beautiful that, it, that the covenants are being maintained. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that how you how you pulled that out, that this is something that God has already established with Abraham. It's now continuing with Moses. And now within that Mosaic Abrahamic covenant, Mm -hmm. God's going to come to another individual and make another covenant, which reveals a little bit more of the gospel. Right. David, uh, the the people of Israel, um, they wanted a king. And and it wasn't a problem uh, in God's economy. He, He he, he was their king. Right. Mm-hmm. It, 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 to go to the book of Judges, and you see at the very end of the book of Judges that other people did, um, there was no king in the land, and people did mm-hmm. what was evil in the sight of the Lord. In the right. sight of the yeah. Lord. And so uh, David, a shepherd boy, comes on. This is God's anointed uh, king long before he became the king. Uh, it's recorded for us, uh, which is known as the Davidic Covenant. Uh, we see in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, mm-hmm. Uh, is where this is uh, is revealed. This is um, God's promises to David through a Nathan the prophet. This is after the ark has been brought to Jerusalem. Second um, Samuel seven. Uh, it's then summarized in First Chronicles chapter seven, I believe, verse eleven to fourteen. Second Chronicles six sixteen, and then one I, I want to read some from is Psalm eighty nine, mm-hmm. verses three and four, mm-hmm. and then I believe it's nineteen to thirty seven. Um, you see that. And so the Davidic covenant is a, an unconditional covenant made between God and David through, through which God promises David and Israel that Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, would come from his lineage. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would rule, uh, and from the tribe of Judah, excuse me, and would establish a kingdom um, that would endure forever. And that word forever is important. Mm-hmm. We find that in, in 2 Samuel uh, over and over. Um, especially here in verse 15. But my steadfast love, my hesed love, will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, King Saul, obviously being the first king of Israel who failed miserably. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And we know... um, and we know this, this is pointing to Christ. So the Davidic covenant is unconditional uh, because God doesn't place any conditions upon obedience in its fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so the surety and the promises made rest solely on God's faithfulness. As mm-hmm. you said, there's a heightening. It's building. It's pointing forward. And, mm-hmm. and it's ultimately going to point us forward here in a minute. Pastor TJ will take us into uh, another covenant. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it doesn't depend on David or Israel's uh, obedience, and that's important. You turn to Psalm 89. I just want to read some there. Uh, verse 3. Um, it says, you, you, have, you have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Mm-hmm. And then slip down to verse 19. It says, uh, of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help to the one who is mighty. I have exalted one chosen from the people. Here again, as has always been said, God is in, he has initiated all of this, right? Mm-hmm. This is a part of his plan and uh, his purpose. I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down those who hate him. My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him. And in, in my name shall his horn be, uh, be exalted. I will set his hand on the sea and his right hand on the rivers. He shall cry to me, you are my father, my God, my rock of my salvation. Um, and this verse 27 takes us back to Exodus 4. And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. 
and my steadfast love I will keep, uh, keep for him forever. And my covenant will stand firm for him. I will establish his offspring forever in his throne as days of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes or do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or, or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word mm -hmm. that went forth from my lips. And we think back to Abraham, right? right? Mm -hmm. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness... I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. Mm -hmm. His throne as long as the sun before me. We read this, we can't help but think of, of the Messiah. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the sky. So it's pointing forward to an eternal throne, an mm -hmm. eternal kingdom, right. an, an eternal king. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that takes us uh, into the new covenant. The new covenant, this king comes. That's right. And when Jesus comes on the scene, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His favorite title for himself is son of man, hmm. which is uh, Daniel chapter seven, uh, a vision that God gives Daniel, which further expounds on the Davidic covenant. One like a son of man approaching the ancient of days, who is a cloud rider himself. Only God's a cloud rider. So God himself going before God's very Trinitarian, right? A he's a cloud rider. Yeah, man. He's that's, a cloud rider. He's, cool. he's given a, an eternal kingdom. Mm. Now, all of the covenants are brought into alignment with mm. Jesus. And whenever that happens, you have, you have new creation. That's right. um, God's intended purpose uh, with Adam was that he, as the priest king, would fill the earth with image bearers, that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And Adam dropped the ball on that. But God immediately promises that there is one coming, a uh, uh, a seed of the woman who will, uh, by suffering, mm -hmm. crush the head of the serpent and reverse the curse. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. And God promises through Noah that he's going to preserve the earth to ensure that this happens. Right? Mm -hmm. He's not going to destroy the earth by floodwaters. Right. With Abraham, that all the nations of the earth that are now all over the earth, they're going to be blessed by and through you. And so we, we now see the line of promise being narrowed into families, into nations. And out of uh, the nation of Israel, um, you have uh, a king. And, and what's being taught, again, with the Davidic covenant is that uh, this king is going to represent his people so that whenever the king falls, the people fall, right. right? And so You'll now, now we around. have a Jesus who is king, who's the true Adam, the true Israel, the true mm -hmm king who represents his people and unlike those before him he didn't take uh he, he didn't sin against god uh, he he went into the wilderness and he battled the serpent and he was victorious he crushed his head and that was through suffering uh through his death on the cross which jesus says the night before uh, his death that his his blood is the establishment of this new covenant mm -hmm. that has been long awaited for which the prophets had been saying, you've broken the old covenant, but God's making a new covenant. And everything that man lost in the fall, uh, we exile, exile from God, mm. kicked out of the garden, put cherubim in place, you can't come back. Blood and so and God's coming to you in the king, right? Uh, you can't come back yourself, so God's going to come to you. So we exile, death, and then the spirit of God removed. Those mm. are three things which mark the, the new covenant, that restoration. We're given mm. the spirit of God. We have eternal, everlasting life in Christ, and we now have fellowship with God. Right. Yes, and so because Jesus, we have real forgiveness of sins. We have true yeah. forgiveness of sins. So Jesus restores that. And everyone who believes in Jesus, we are now in him. Mm. And, and so we identify no longer with Adam. That's, that's who we're born under. Mm -hmm. And so born under the curse. When you believe in Christ, you're born again. Spirit of God changes your hearts and begins the new creation in your heart, and you're now in Christ. You're a new race of people, a redeemed uh, covenant people of God. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the New Testament is going to continue 
as showing the implications of being a new covenant people. And then you get into Revelation, how the new creation, which began in our hearts, and it's it's spreading. You think of the Adamic sense, right? It's spreading as the gospel's right. being preached throughout the nations. People are uh, being born again. It's going to then come to our bodies, and then all of creation is going to be renewed in a, in a new creation. And so... Um, that, that is the storyline of the Bible. You can follow, I hope you've been able to see, you can follow the covenants and you teach the whole Bible. Right. I think it's important too, it's really with the covenants, is you see, as you talk about the priests, the prophets, and the kings who would represent the people. Yeah, Jesus fail, fulfills all those offices. He fulfills all of those offices. Yeah. And you see that in the covenants, mm-hmm. from creation right. through the Davidic mm-hmm. um, into the new covenant. Yeah. And we had to keep it very brief because it yeah, gets can, so so detailed and expansive. Decades to study. Yes, <laughs> but the fact that God would enter into relationship with man and choose to do so in various covenants throughout redemptive history—that is a reflection of a reality in eternity. Right. And yeah, so, this isn't uh, this isn't something that he he came that the the Godhead came up with, um, you know. During Moses' time, right? right? Or, or during or, the... Oop, man fell. I guess ah, I got to do what, this. What do I do now? He, right. he ate of the fruit. What do I do? Hey, God, you know, let's let's get together and work something out here. We, we got to get a plan B. Um, God knows all things. God plans all things. Right. That's right. Including redemptive history by covenant. And so this reality in eternity, uh, Brother Dudley, you're going to unpack a... Uh, uh, pretty uh, deep, but it can be explained easily, and I'm sure you will. Uh, theological subject known as the Pactum Salutis. Get you some of that. Amen. The, pact, <laughs> yeah, the Pactum Salutis. Uh, you know, of course, Pactum Salutis, it sounds uh, tremendous, and it is tremendous. That's yes, the beautiful is. thing about yes, it. Is. I think um, probably in reform circles, we're, we're more familiar with this term, Ordo Salutis, yeah. which is Ordo the order of salutis salvation, the order of salvation, or the order of redemption. Mm-hmm. And the pactum salutis is, using those similar words, is basically the covenant of salvation or the yeah. covenant of redemption. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this particular covenant is that the all of the other covenants that we studied were covenants that occurred in time. They mm-hmm. occurred after creation mm-hmm. or at the simultaneous with creation. But the covenant of redemption is a covenant that occurred before time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we recognize this as we look at the Scripture. You know, there are several places in the Scripture that say uh, before the foundation of the earth. For example, it talks about uh, the blood of Jesus being shed before, before the foundation of the earth. And you say, well, but how, how, does, how does that happen? How do, you know, we are, we are in Christ before the foundation of the earth. And there are mm-hmm. multiple references to that in mm-hmm. Ephesians and Titus and mm-hmm, sure. uh, 2 Timothy and Peter uh, in Revelation. And so we see all of these references to these things happening, things that appear to be happening in time, mm-hmm. but there actually says that they're happening before the foundation of the earth. And that's how this Pactum uh, Salutis ad- yeah. addresses these kinds of scriptures. And this is where the, the concept comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is the uh, you know covenants or a relationship between two people, an agreement between two people? Well, the pactum salutis before time, who existed before time? Well, God did. Mm-hmm. And so this pactum is a, an agreement between members of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And uh, this agreement, I think we see it in one of my favorite passages of Scripture. If we look in John chapter 6, mm-hmm. Jesus is talking to the people after they have Uh, followed him across the lake after he fed the 5,000 and they're coming looking for physical bread and he's telling them that look you're looking for the wrong thing and uh, in verse uh, 37 Mm. of John chapter 6 Jesus says all that the father gives me will come to me Mm -hmm. and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that Mm -hmm. of all he has given me, I should lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. And then Jesus alludes to these same concept when you go over to John chapter 17, and he Mm -hmm. has the high priestly prayer, and he uh, 
we could spend the rest of the morning looking at the high priestly <laughs> prayer, but I want to look at one verse uh, mm. in particular uh, where it's uh, verse 9 of John mm. chapter 17. He's saying, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, yes. for they are yours. And uh, if we look in verse 6, he says, I've manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. Mm. They mm -hmm. were yours. Yeah, past tense. Past tense. You <laughs> gave them to me. Yeah. And they have kept your word. So what is it Jesus talking about here when he's saying, well, these were yours and they've given them? Well, obviously, he's talking about his disciples. He's talking about the redeemed. He's talking about us. Praise mm -hmm. the Lord. Amen. And if we look at this uh, pactum salutis, mm -hmm. God the Father has his elect, has his, those mm -hmm. who he will redeem. Mm -hmm. And he is giving those people, giving us mm -hmm. to God the Son. So in Amen. essence, we're a gift from God the Father to God the Son. That's a, that's a topic yeah. that just, that's why this John chapter 6 is my favorite chapter, mm -hmm. frankly, in the Bible. That, yeah. that thing, your head explodes when you start to think about mm -hmm. that, that I am a gift from God the Father to God the Son. Mm -hmm. And this covenant, this agreement that they make is God the Father is giving this gift to God the Son, but in a covenant, there's conditions. Well, what's the condition? He's giving this gift to God the Son on the condition that God the Son mm. will redeem right. these people because God knows that man's going to fall. God mm -hmm. already knows that. This, the okay. fall, like as you mm -hmm. said, Zad, is not a surprise to God. Right. It wasn't like he's reacting to that. These are things that are done before mm -hmm. man even exists, before man falls. This is okay. God's plan from the beginning. All of history is the unfolding of a plan that God has had before he created us, which is also mind-blowing. And uh, so the requirement is for the son to act as surety mm -hmm. for the people that have been given to him, the redeemed. Amen. And so Amen. Jesus Christ comes as the surety, as the guarantor, as that's the right. one who will pay the debt that these people owe. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, uh, God says uh, that he, uh, that God the Father... Um, does not waive anything. You know, mm -hmm. that it has to be, you know, that he's laid on him the iniquity of us all. That mm -hmm. God the Father is not making it easy for God the Son. Mm -hmm. God the Son knows that this is a, a tremendous, mm -hmm. gargantuan, uh, all-encompassing, never-before-done task mm -hmm. to bear the wrath of God and to pay this penalty on behalf mm -hmm. of the redeemed who have been given to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet... God the Son willingly accepts that. Amen. He takes it and he says, yes, I will. And that's why when he comes and he says constantly, I've come on a mission. Well, what is that mission that he's come? He repeats it again and again and again and again. I've come on this mission. Well, this was the mission that was established for him before time began. Mm -hmm. The mission to come and redeem God's people. Amen. To redeem them for his own. And so he does that. And then God, in turn, of course, promises to the Son that... Uh, you are faithful in this task. Mm -hmm. I will raise you up. I will be there. I will be supporting you. You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And we mm -hmm. see that God the Father is like a cheerleader for God the Son almost. Yes. Mm -hmm. he's, he's endorsing when he goes to be baptized. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. On the Mount of Transfiguration, mm -hmm. he's there. This is my son. Hear him. Mm -hmm. You don't sure. need to hear Moses. You yeah. don't need to hear Elijah. Mm -hmm. you, the one you need to hear is here. This is the one, my the son. The and the prophets pointed to this. They all point. All, yeah. every, the covenants, fulfilled. everything points to him. Amen. And it, it's all Amen. in all in Jesus Christ. And this is why this uh, idea of the pactum salutis that the members of the Godhead have come together oh, man, to yeah. make this agreement on uh, to accomplish this task of redeeming us mm -hmm. is uh, perfect. And the other good thing is when you have an agreement, you know, the agreement is only as good as the parties. That's yes. Right. You know, yes. if there's a weak link, well, then you've got a problem. But in this case, God the Father's agreeing with God the Son how much better guarantors can we get than that's that? Right. This yeah. is a deal that's going to come through no matter what. We can feel confident mm -hmm. that this purpose is going to be accomplished because of the nature of the people, the parties to the agreement. That's, right. that's our security. That's our assurance that our relationship with God was set in eternity. 
And, and what you just unpacked there is also why we uh, can understand how throughout redemptive history, throughout time, throughout the unveiling of the covenants, mm. people are saved by the same means. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that eternal um, covenant, uh, the pactum salutis, in the background throughout mm. time, which uh, the, the various covenants in time are just uh, smaller reflections uh, of. Mm-hmm. And so when people... Uh, in uh, in the, in the uh, days of Noah, in the days of Abraham, in the days of, uh, of Moses, in the days of David, whenever they uh, looked at their covenant relationship, they uh, were supposed to see Jesus in that, right. see that eternal uh, covenant that God is making. And so they were looking ahead until the time of Jesus mm. um, at what God was going to do in his son and by grace through faith in Christ right. all the way from from beginning right. to end. Um, and so I think that's such a great concept. And now that we have a biblical theological understanding of the covenants, we're ready now to talk about how that, uh, the, the implications of that as a new covenant people, yeah. as a redeemed people of God, the church, um, and this, we're just going to pick a couple topics out of many in the yeah. New Testament, in the epistles especially. Yeah, and I, I do, uh, that John 6 passage is awesome. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah. The motivation of Christ is revealed, and it is the will of God. Right. He came to please the Father right. and complete the plan of redemption. That, that's why he can, at 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws right. him. I mean, it is, uh, that, that, is a, that is a great text, one of, one of my favorite as well. And John, John's an incredible book. But, um, yeah, and, and to think we're saved as... Uh, we're saved and brought into the unity of the Godhead. We're brought into relationship with the Father, Son, mm-hmm. and Spirit. This was his plan. This was mm-hmm. his purpose. And we now um, covenant together through church membership. Um, that, that's, you know, that's why we have church membership. That's, that's, people struggle with church members because they don't see church membership uh, in the scriptures, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, verbatim, they don't see uh, where it's uh, explicit, but it is implied right. all over mm-hmm. the scriptures, right. and so necessary implication. It's yeah, a, definitely a necessary. Whether you like it or not, you're in covenant right. with right. your brothers and sisters in Christ because you're in covenant with God. With God, right? And so we covenant together. Church membership is covenanting together to be in relationship in order to carry out the one another's of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, to observe the ordinances. Um, given in baptism, which is entrance into the church, and to observe the Lord's Supper, which is a reminder and pointing forward and to en- encourage us mm-hmm. in what we, who we are and right. what we're to be about. And, um, and so the church, bod- the church body, the church membership, and, and church membership, I mean, we don't have time to go over everything, especially maybe in this podcast since we're, <laughs> we're running a little bit, little bit long here, but man, this is so good. I mean, we could spend a lot of time mm-hmm on the covenant of redemption mm-hmm. and each covenant has been said but the church body how you come into membership they they formally affirm mm-hmm. your profession of faith yeah. uh, and that's done through baptism that's right. it's credible that you've placed your faith and your trust in Christ you turn from your sins yeah. and you trust in Christ's righteousness um, the church bodily uh, uh, we then we give affirmation to that and then the body promises to give oversight through its shepherds, mm-hmm. uh, its under shepherds to the Lord, into into that person's discipleship, and seeing that they are uh, uh, being matured and raised up, and um, and being conformed into the image of Christ, which That's is right. our purpose. And so the person submits then to the leadership, his or her leadership of the local church, to serve um, in and under the authority of right. uh, of Christ and its leaders of the body. So. Um, that's that's what we're brought into, and, mm-hmm. and that's why many churches uh, we have covenants that we sign mm-hmm. together. This is what we're covenanting mm-hmm. together to be um, unto the Lord, but unto one another as yes. well. And yeah. So, um, and not only that, but you know, church discipline, mm-hmm. which comes as a result of both of those things: the fact right. that we're in uh, in a covenant with God. Uh, and with one another, and that we have made these promises and commitments to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are accountable to one another. And, uh, and this is something that goes hand-in-hand hand with, uh, uh, with church membership because 
Uh, you're only going to hold someone accountable to the Lord mm-hmm. if they are accountable to the Lord, able to obey the Lord, are a mm-hmm. member of the new covenant. And you're my brothers. You will persevere in your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And as your brother, I am to encourage you whenever you slip into sin. I am to warn you of it mm-hmm. and, uh, and challenge you to repent. You are to do the same to me. And this is the basis of what church discipline is. It's mm-hmm. us holding each other accountable because we are brothers in, in larger church body context, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we want to see each other faithful in our covenant with God and with one another to the end. And whenever someone does fall away, it's the responsibility of uh, the, the believers around them to warn them of it. And mm-hmm. Jesus lays it out in Matthew 18 that you start with one person, you, you go to your brother who's mm-hmm. sinned, and you, you tell them. If they, un, if they do not repent of their sin, you get another uh, brother to go with you. Mm-hmm. And if they still do not uh, repent of their sin, you bring it before the, the assembly, bring it before the church. And it's a grace because if they are a believer, if this person is a genuine believer, they will repent. And mm-hmm. these warnings, these challenges, the prayers by making the whole church known of this individual sin, they will uh, be the means that God uses mm-hmm. to bring that person to repentance and restored fellowship with Christ. Yeah. But uh, because we do live in a fallen world, we affirm people as brothers and sisters of Christ who actually are not members of mm-hmm. the new covenant. Right. And what church membership does is if that person doesn't repent, then a sign of unrepentance is a sign of one being a non-believer. Mm-hmm. And so the final That's thing right. is, i got to take you off the membership role. Right. Mm-hmm. And because church membership or church discipline is taught in Matthew and 1 Corinthians, mm-hmm. uh, you need church membership to carry out church discipline or else when that person wants to come back into church, if you don't have membership to take them off a roll, you know who's right? in, who's then out. you're yeah. putting someone at the door and you give them a picture of this person and not let them in. You right. got those two options to carry out right. what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7. Mm-hmm. Either you're going to not let them in the assembly physically or you're going to um, uh, disfellowship by, <laughs> by membership. And so they go hand in hand. Yeah. Right. And it's because we're, we are in a covenant with one another. So we think of it in terms of, uh, and you'll love this, restoration and reconciliation. Yes. Restoration in our, um, in our, in our uh, fellowship with God mm-hmm. and reconciliation with our with, brother with and sister in Christ. Yes. And so it is a loving thing. Church discipline is a loving act that the Lord has mm-hmm. given us. Uh, to take part in and uh, not as practiced as much. Uh, I've seen God restore families by this, and God has been so faithful to Mm -hmm. use his people uh, in uh, persevering them. Absolutely. And so just practical implications. Uh, What are some practical implications of what we've discussed thus far through the covenants, um, through the covenant of redemption (laughs) within the Godhead? Uh, What would you say are some? I think you sort of alluded to it earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. God is not surprised by anything. Mm-hmm. That's the That's beauty right. of Jesus. You know, it said Jesus uh, was never taken in by people around him. Mm-hmm. The things that happened, they didn't surprise him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's he knew the situation. What was on their heart. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. He knew the, the the heart of man. But that's the other thing is that we, as uh, blood bought people of God, mm-hmm. we don't need to be concerned about uh, our salvation. That's right. Because it's been purchased and it's been guaranteed by Jesus to God the Father. He's acted right. as the surety for us. And, uh, and so, it's been sealed by the Spirit. Exactly. The, the Godhead together have right. uh, accomplished it for us. And so I think that you live your life in a different way. If you're concerned, well, am I saved today? Am I saved tomorrow? Did, did he really save me? I, I gotta, I, do I really know the depth of my sin Mm. Uh, you know, that, that's a life that is an unstable life. Mm-hmm. It's hard to push ahead in God if what, you're constantly relaying again and again and again the what is gripping salvation. Your, what's gripping your conscience? Exactly. Every person's conscience is gripped by the fact that I am going to die. Right. Like 10 out of 10 people die. <laughs> and there's only one way to make it out of here, and it's through the righteousness of Christ. Amen. That God, is, God the Father has provided. That's exactly right. Mm. I, I, would, I, would, I would be in total agreement of that implication and that also it gives us confidence. Um, 
that God has had a plan from the from beginning, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can we can trust him and it it really is mind-blowing as you step back and you see how the covenants do lay out the mm-hmm. the narrative for us to see Jesus um, clearly and have him fulfilling all those things it just begins to overwhelm you with mm-hmm. with joy right you understand with, your Bible better. You yeah. understand the scriptures better. Um, you're able to see the world then rightly in which we live in. It's exactly what is tied in exactly what you say. You know, those that those of us that are in covenant with the Lord and recognize that now, that it's not anything of us, but what Christ has done, what God the Father has done, what the Spirit has right. done, mm-hmm. it should humble us and mm-hmm. make us view this world as not our home, Amen. But the new Eden right. is mm-hmm. coming. The new Exodus has already begun, and we're going to be with him soon, you know. And so we 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 hold the things of this world lightly, and we hold tightly to Christ and to relationships that that truly matter, which Amen. is within the body of Christ. Amen. Because we're going to be together forever, and so Amen. That was what I was and, thinking about. And because of that, you have a responsibility mm-hmm. as a believer. Yep. You can't just. You know, say, okay, I've, I've got a relationship with the Lord. I'm good, right? The, mm-hmm. the implication is that you have a relationship with your other brothers right. and sisters. Come to church for crying out loud. Oh, my God. That's the bare minimum that you can do, you know? Right. So come to church. Participate in committees and serve in the nursery. Uh, serve <laughs> in various places um, in, in the body of Christ because it's a joy. That's your brother and sister. Well, You're in covenant in the with. church, when we say come to church, we're saying Come engage in relationship and fellowship and worship. Yeah, not just sitting back the, and taking in, but that's exactly yeah, right. contribute to the spirit of love and joy and service. And because we've been called into relationship, yeah, man. And so we all have a desire, I believe, to to be known and to know others. Mm-hmm. Everyone, mm-hmm. from the introvert to the extrovert, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. We right. want to be yeah. known by somebody. Yeah, and we see that in our culture. Everybody's wanting to be in relationship and who is accepted and who's not. And so right. we need to take the time to really get to yeah. know one another. That's right. Um, no, and I, I want to add at this point that I've really felt that at Broadway. Yeah. I, mean, I appreciate the, the relationships the here. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the encouragement that I've mm-hmm. had, that Julie's had, that my kids have had from, yeah. from you brothers and mm-hmm. Pastor Tony, but also from many, many members in the congregation. Sure. So many solid people here. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of people that you want to associate with. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. the way you learn more about things is to get with people that know things. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and unfortunately, right. yeah. we have a lot of yeah. solid yeah. believers here in this church, yeah, people that right. are committed to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a great place to come and partner yeah. with others in the Praise gospel. The Lord, and I man. really am, am grateful for that. And it's as a new resident of East Tennessee, I'm so glad <laughs> to be here. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, man, this has been a good conversation. And, and Dudley, I, I know you, you've told me you've been listening to the podcast and no podcast would be complete Mm-mm. without a historical example. We, we got to end Definitely. on that note, man. Um, okay. to, uh, you, you guys are going to like who I uh, who I'm bringing forward today, Jonathan Edwards. Oh, wow. good. Yeah, I love this brother. He was born in 1703, uh, died in 1758. So uh, before the revolution, he's a Congregationalist pastor. He's a pastor, philosopher, scientist, missionary. Uh, Smart man. Yeah, but he, at the end of his life, president of Princeton. Very educated. Man, this guy, he he could literally do anything, I believe. Um, he was uh, a pastor during one of the most exciting, spiritually exciting times in American history, mm-hmm. during the great, first Great Awakening, mm-hmm. when uh, God was using uh, good, solid preaching um, through the attendant itinerant ministries of uh, George Whitfield and the Wesley brothers, um, the gospel um, being heard for the first time by many frontier people in America, and God's spirit just was poured out um, uh, uh, on the American landscape, but also on the British Isles, Mm -hmm. and there was a massive number of conversions, and Jonathan Edwards noticed this, and uh, he wrote the, the best detailed account of it in uh, a book. It's a faithful narrative. I wrote down the full title here. It's it's called A Faithful Narrative of the Surprising Work of God in the Conversion of Many Hundred Souls in Northampton. He always had great titles. They're wonderful. That, that were like as long it's a, as... It's a uh, book itself. You know, yeah. From here to Dothan, Alabama. Long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he, he detailed uh, these conversions uh, that he was seeing, and God used him as part of that as well. Uh, his most famous sermon 
sinners in the hands of an angry God. Uh, he was not afraid to preach on the wrath of God, uh, that, that we are in his sermon like, like a spider hanging on just a thread of its web over, over the, uh, uh, the fire, the, over the flames of the wrath of God, and that if it wasn't for Jesus, man, we would burn up. And uh, so Jesus, God in his grace, sweeps and rescues us from his own wrath, which is a message that's needed in every single generation. Uh, now, this, uh, this brother was also a philosopher. That's what we're fleeing to Jesus from. Yes, it is. It's God's wrath that's coming, right? This, this brother uh, was also a philosopher um, today. Philosophers say this is the greatest philosopher born on American yes, soil. That's and that's because primarily his work on the freedom of the will. Again, it's a longer title. It's a careful and strict inquiry into the modern prevailing notions of that freedom of will, which is supposed to be essential to moral agency, <laughs> virtue and vice, reward and punishment, praise and blame. That's how I would have worded it. <laughs> if sure, I was I'm back sure then was. with Edwards, I would have gave him that same counsel. Is that That's a great title that I can't remember that's right, right. And it's it's fantastic, and it has uh, man helped me understand how the will works, right? Uh, how decision making is. Mm. He's also a scientist. Uh, his genius mind, just to give you an idea, uh, he would go out. So he he kept journals better than anybody, right. and uh, he he'd write out his sermons and uh, he'd, he'd journal his days and his devotions and his thoughts. Um, but he would go out horseback riding because that's how he'd get a lot of ideas, and he loved the exercise. He was an outdoorsy guy. And in that day, you didn't have ballpoint pens, so, uh, so you weren't going to take your quill and an ink cartridge with you. Uh, so he took scrap pieces of paper, and they were you know, all different because they're just small little pieces of paper, and he'd take a handful of pens. He'd go out horseback riding. Whenever he'd get a thought, this is how his mind worked. He'd pull out of his pocket a piece of paper, and it's unique from the rest of the pieces of paper. He'd associate his thought with that piece of paper, pin it to his jacket. And he'd go on his ride a couple hours, come back home. He'd have a jacket full of thoughts, which weren't anything but just pieces of paper. He'd sit down at his desk, look at that piece of paper, pull one off, look at it, remember the thought. There's no th nothing written I on the think, piece of paper. I think Grant does that, actually. Grant, do you do that? Didn't, do you pin? No, no, he doesn't do that. Like songs you hear when you <laughs> pin it on your Jeep. No, but that brother is brilliant. That's incredible, right? Yeah. Um, not we'll only about how we notes forget. like that, right? <laughs> oh my goodness! But he was a missionary as well mm -hmm. uh, to the Stockbridge natives, mm. um, and uh, he had such a heart for the native people that his young son, who grew up playing with the native boys in his church, mm. was a mixed congregation of natives and Anglo's, and uh, so his son knew I think Algonquin. Uh, if I if yeah, I'm correct, yeah, the Algonquin tongue. Uh, he mm. sent his son because his son was a better translator than some of the missionaries going out into the woods. Even though some of the deep tribes uh, were uh, hostile towards right. Anglo's, he mm. sent his young son as a translator to accompany missionaries mm. into the forests. Um, and then uh, he was president of Princeton. But the reason why I bring this brother up, that's just a brief biography of him to give you an appreciation of what God achieved through him, is uh, because they're in the, uh, um, and I'm assuming it's the same way today with the congregational church, there was a confusion with how to bring covenants to the ground in our practice in ministry. Hmm. So um, in, in this day, um, congregationalists are like Baptists in their polity, like Presbyterians in their practice of baptism. Um, that's kind of a rough way of getting an idea of congregationalism. Um, they, uh, they baptized their infants, and um, if, you are, if you were a believer, a baptized believer, your infant could be baptized. However, if you were not a believer, uh, your infant was not able to be baptized. Mm. Um, now, whenever that second generation grew up, many of those baptized infants turned out not to be believers. Right. Mm -hmm. And they wanted their infants to be baptized. They're part of the local church, but they have no fruit of being born again. And the pastors were like, I can't baptize your infant because you yourself mm -hmm. are not a genuine believer. So what came about was this thing called the halfway covenant, which is really like partial membership. We're going to baptize your infant, but they only have partial membership, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. Now, Jonathan Edwards' grandfather who pastored the church in Northampton, 
he was very, very open with his uh, membership. You didn't have to be a believer to be a member of the church. Jonathan Edwards disagreed with both the halfway covenant approach and also with the very loose approach of Solomon Stoddard. Uh, He said, no, you have to be uh, someone who's born again to be a member. Now, um, he was a Congregationalist, so he wouldn't be like us Baptists and hold to believers' baptism only. Mm -hmm. So he ended up baptizing infants of believers, which the next generation he had that same problem all over again. Uh, But he's, he's an example of someone who understood that okay, I got to go against my con- my right. my con- convention here. I, d- I don't know uh, how the congregationalists uh, assemble themselves. Mm-hmm. I got to go against my denomination. I got to go against this uh, the tradition of my grandfather, mm-hmm. who's one of the most loved preachers right. mm-hmm. in uh, his day. And I got to hold to regenerate membership right. because right. our membership, our covenanting together, is anchored in an eternal covenant right. between me and God. Mm. And so I think he's a great example of that. Uh, yeah. Very good example. Of yeah, it. absolutely. Well, man, it's uh, hey, we have the courage of our convictions like that. Yes, yeah. to go against the tide. Amen. Yep. And that there is a tide that is uh, that is that we're facing now that uh, we must stand against. Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in grace and truth. So. Good discussion, uh, good time together. Uh, Dudley, thank you. Thank you. Brother, good, really enjoyed good, it. Good Appreciate time. It. Us as well. I'd love to have you again. So Amen. Uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely be talking with you about that. So until we until we come back next time, we'll we'll continue to talk about characteristics of the church and how not only are we covenantal but we are confessional. Amen. And, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a good time. So until then, God bless and I hope to uh, talk to you soon.